Hey, I'm Alan McGuire. I'm Sarah Griffin. And this is a special episode of Juvenalia where it's just the two of us. Woo! We're going to talk about something that was important to Sarah and pretty important to me as well. Yeah, it's rare enough that we get to... We're always enthusiastic about our guest special topics. Mm-hmm. And in my case, I often have to go back and research and watch things for the first time. Oh, same. Yeah. I was effectively Amish as a child. <laughs> I'm like, what's dirty dancing? How does that work? Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this case, um, me and Alan are going to take a deep dive into something that uh, was formative for both of us. Oh, totally. Yeah. The X-Files. Mm. Mm. Insert wiggly music. Yeah. Uh, that good, that good, deeply transporting little riff. Uh, it's like, so iconic. Like powerful Ridiculous. as well. Ridiculous. It was everywhere in the nineties. And I feel like because I came to the X Files in my teens, mm. I al- I already had this backdrop of uh, of this um sort of unspoken aesthetic knowledge of the X Files. Like I knew the music, mm-hmm. I knew the title screen, I knew who Mulder was and who Scully was, but I didn't really know anything else about it. They were always there, as was yeah. that lovely uh, wiggly theme song. That theme song charted. All right. At the time. Mark, <laughs> Mark Snow? Wasn't it? I think yeah. it is Mark Snow. Mark yeah, Snow. Yeah. He got it like a number three single out of that. Mark. Oh my so God. So fair play the to Mark Snow. The 90s must have been so pure. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Like, I mean, Jesus. That looking the at juvenilia the juvenilia song? Yeah, <laughs> it's charting. Like, yeah. different times. It's hard to imagine now just how big the X-Files was because I remember it. It was mm. like a schoolyard phenomenon because it was mm. scary and only certain people were allowed to watch it because I was okay. in like fourth class I would say when it started because it's only two years between you and me isn't there four years four years is yeah. there oh my god really yeah so I was I was nine when it came out 93 I was nine. Oh my or god well, okay like I was five right eight, eight twenty nine. yeah right 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 and yeah like pretty early on everybody latched on to it so I remember everybody talking about like episode four or five the one with the fluke monster mm. and people coming oh to school god, the next the day yeah. and go and then every, then everybody was like okay we need to watch this thing and you have to get it by your parents yeah my parents were not fun. my parents were very permissive but the X-Files was one of those things they were just instinctively scared of right. like punk music and jazz <laughs> like any oh yeah, oh, yeah no I, I feel like I was um, it wasn't that I wasn't allowed to watch the X-Files I feel like my parents were more concerned with like stupid humour than mm-hmm. they were scary shit yeah you know like there were definitely scary things I wasn't allowed to watch that I did watch I'm literally a horror writer who yeah. was heavily informed by being um, frightened yeah. as a child but uh, the X-Files just wasn't really on it didn't feel like something I could act it was on the television mm. but it wasn't really within my reach it just didn't hit me until I was much older yeah. and then I got extremely fixated on it mm-hmm. but uh, that's a really interesting point that the difference between kids whose parents would let them watch it and parents who wouldn't let them watch yeah. it and convincing your parents to let you watch something scary I eventually got I think by like season three I was watching it I think because oh. I had a TV in my room so I couldn't stop me forever there you go <laughs> and I feel like we weren't really aware of seasons back then as well. No, totally not. So it was just like, there's an episode of the X-Files coming up where Mulder finds a boxcar full of aliens in Mexico. Let's and go. I was like, okay, I'm going to start with that one. Well, like, I think, uh, actually, weirdly enough, I think on Camille Nangini's X-Files Files, which mm-hmm. I have listened to every single episode of because that's who I am, I feel like it's Dan Harmon who possibly makes the point that um, it was before television shows used to hold you hostage mm-hmm. to plot. So the X-Files is composed of many of these, uh, what, what we call in the fandom monster of the week episodes where um, you can kind of just watch it and you know who Mulder is you know who Scully is you already have the primary colours of what Mm -hmm. the show is so you can just watch the adventure be kind of chilled and then walk away from it It, The X-Files is a cumulative narrative so there are episodes like that the one-offs that you can just dip in and out of and you don't need to have any knowledge of seasons Mm -hmm. of and then there's this meta story which I always kind of was like okay yeah the government like I don't care (laughs) like I am still less fucked 
with the um, meta story of the X-Files than yeah. I am with the individual stories. And that's kind of how TV operated back then, really. Mm. You know, you could just pop in and out. Yeah, I mean, it's the balance has shifted gradually. Well, yeah, since 93, the balance has shifted more in favour of serialised stuff. Mm. But the X-Files, I think, is definitely the first serialised thing I remember watching. Hmm. I, I remember I talked about this in the Star Trek episode, I think. But um, Voyager tried to do an episode over three stories once. Uh-huh. And that was like a thing. Whoa. That there was like a three episode continuity. And they're like, oh, it, it was an experiment and it failed. And they didn't do it again. They went back to episodic. And this was like 97. Yikes. So it's like, the X-Files have been doing this, you I guys. Ha- you know, Voyager was my Star Trek. Really? Yeah. I only get to talk about Star Trek very much. But Voyager was my Star Trek. And it's 100% because of Seven of Nine. I was just okay. like, ah, beautiful robot woman. <laughs> Hmm, <laughs> what's happening to me? And I really liked it. But again, I just popped in and out of it. I, I, yeah, I, I feel I, like the way TV was, you were freer to do that then. I never actually seen a 7 or 9 episode of Voyager. I watched like the first two seasons. Oh, I don't know what she did or who she was. Yeah. I was just, Sky One, Lady. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's yeah. happening here. She's a robot, that's cool, you know? Yeah. Like, I was very, and I feel like her relationship with the Doctor was very sad, if I look back on it. I feel like if I went back and actually dove into it, I'd probably be very disappointed because the idea that I have of it mm-hmm. probably is better for me yeah. than what the reality of it was, mm-hmm. right? Um, but yeah, you could you could just every couple of Fridays or whatever watch The X-Files and not be entirely lost. Yeah. But now... Except the mythology episodes. Except the mythology. But the, the, the mythology was really cool. There was lots of cool little stuff like black slime and the little yeah. nose implanty things. Yeah, and, and the, the back cigarette of your neck smoking man. And the cigarette and, smoking man. Yeah. And fucking cry check. <laughs> and there, there were things that carried. And don't get me wrong, I've seen all of it now in Inside and Out many, Have you many watched times. All of it? I don't observe past season seven. Okay. Uh, it doesn't exist. It's not real. Okay. Fair um, enough. I sort of running juvenile gag is that I don't like endings with the X-Files I don't even like approaching the endings mm-hmm. uh, it exists for me in a nice fluid little um, middle zone where it doesn't really begin or doesn't end I mean the beginning yeah. of the X-Files is fucking amazing it's iconic that first episode is it's one of the best I think it could be oh, the best pilot I've ever seen it's outstanding it's so fully formed it's perfect it's so funny mm-hmm. it, they're both immediately so likeable Um it's an incredible piece of television. I'm sorry, I realise I'm shaking my misery beads at everybody. I'm just carrying the rosary around. <laughs> They're actually little moonstones. That's who I am. Um, but uh, Or who I've grown up into, apparently. <laughs> Thanks so much, X-Files. Thanks, Chris Carter. Um, but yeah, that first episode is... Uh, it's powerful. Like, mm. it's, it's so welcoming. It, it does so much work... Uh, in terms of its storytelling and building this world and this situation for you and these characters that feel like they already exist outside mm-hmm. of that backdrop. Yeah. And I don't know how they did that. They have, I guess they had like two pretty like solid opposite positions to build them off of. I suppose, yeah. And when you only have two characters, you can go as like as binary as the believer and the skeptic. I suppose, as opposed yeah. to like an ensemble, like with, like say with like a CSI, where they have like eight characters to introduce in the first episode. Yeah, and you're like, well, he that's a gambly guy. Yeah, and she also takes risks. Oh, and he's a risky guy as well. Okay, I get this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's really it's, just, it's a two. It's about the two of them, and you get you fully get the two of them. And even at the end of the first episode, Scotty's already like, hmm. Yeah. It's then she remains hmm. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> for rare. Years. <laughs> it's rarely Mulder who gets. His like his worldview challenged. I Never. Think. Yeah. He is allowed to be a head case <laughs> until recently. That's mm. what's devastating about the return of it. That I I I, was, I found it. Re- I stayed up late. I was really really ready, and then I was just like, oh my god, they don't love each other anymore. 
Mm. And that is what I couldn't take, that Mulder had gone from being, a rom- Mulder is a romantic character mm. in, in the story because he is a romantic, he's, a, he's the dreamer. And by the time you fa- flash forward from the early 90s to 2017 or 18, whenever it was, well, it was 17 when it, re- it was rebooted, right? Mm. The Mulder that we see in the contemporary arc isn't a dreamer anymore, he's a zealot. Yeah. So there's less, for me, um, it's less compelling. And Scully isn't a cynic. She's just fucking exhausted. Mm. And I think that's what, it was like watching, a, it, it's, it's like watching a couple that you've, you know, you've known your whole life fall out of love before your eyes. Yeah. And that was, re- so I just kind of watched a few episodes and was like, you know what? I'm good. Mm. I am absolutely fine without this. I guess that's kind of where like conspiracy theory's gone now though. It's kind of gotten radicalised. Oh my God. So there was right. only that was only like kind of where he could be now if he was still in that world. You couldn't write a romantic Mulder could you? Well, no. Mm. And Scully is because we're all exhausted. Yeah, so we're all Scully. Yeah, we're yeah. all we're all Scully. Yeah, that's that's a really fair point. I am. I'm trying to stop. But I didn't watch all of them. So I, I can't really watch the first one. And I've realised I'd missed like five seasons of the mythology of it. So it like, do a great job of bringing you back in. It was very much for fans. It of shouldn't feel like homework. Yeah. That's, this is my take on like the Marvel industrial complex. I'm sorry, cover your ears. <laughs> uh, if you have very strong feelings about the Marvel uh, or DC industrial complex. I don't want to fucking do my homework to understand who all these people are. Mm-hmm. That's not fair. Yeah. Like I understand that it's rewarding, but like that's not how you tell stories to humans. You don't go, okay, here's like twenty years of history for you to study before you can watch this film or yeah. understand this TV show. And why I think I loved the X Files so much was because it was extremely intense nerdery, and exactly that kind of slightly speculative, the world is stranger than you believe it to be or know it to mm-hmm. be stuff, without forcing me to study for it. Yeah. Even young, even even at that age, I knew that 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 like Star Trek always felt like something that I had to study for if I were to start watching it. Do you know? I was like, well, I don't know how many these people are, so <laughs> whatever. And yeah. even actually, Buffy, weirdly, I was like, mm. this about eight thousand people on screen, and I don't understand what's happening. Yeah. Uh, so I I don't like being dropped in stories in the middle. Whereas the X Files, the experiences that I had of it before I started watching it, Die Hard. The episodes that I saw, the first episode of the X-Files I saw that I tuned into by accident. Mm. I don't fucking know what one it was. And I know I've seen it since, but I don't know what one it was exactly. It's the one where, and this is what made me such a big Mulder and Scully head, because I am primarily watching it for Mulder and Scully <laughs> and I'm secondarily watching it for aliens. I don't care. Yeah. Um, they're staying in a motel and Scully is standing in the doorway. This is, this is I, t- I, turn, I turn on the television and this is happening, right? Yeah. And... Uh, Scully is standing in the doorway looking kind of fucked off and Mulder is lying in the bed topless with like a spooning space next to him and they're talking about something and then he pats the bed and she rolls her eyes and leaves. Mm. And I'm like, who are these people? I need to know more. And I was very young and that was, that's who Mulder and Scully are. Like a baby duck following a mother duck. That's who Mulder and Scully are. Mm. So anything that fucks with that for me doesn't work. Yeah. So you know, that's why the modern series doesn't work. But I started watching it um, properly when I was working in GameStop. Uh, yikes! <laughs> uh, I was also I was watching Lost, and Lost went on that big fuck off season break. Speaking of TV shows that hold you hostage, yeah. Um, and there was a big break in Lost, so I didn't have anything to watch every week. And oh, when they went to like sixteen episode seasons, yeah, so it was like eight months between episodes. Oh, yeah, like a nightmare. And I like Lost, right? I think people who who want to understand everything about their watching need to calm down. I like Lost. <laughs> Oh, I'm a total lost 
like how fanboy. Un- I can how ex- unfashionable is it to like Lost? Though? I know, and people I, have such breaks about Lost. You can explain everything about Lost if you paid attention, and also listen to Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse's podcast every week, Ooh, which I, I did. I should do that. I yeah, think, yeah, it was it was handy. So we it helped prepare you because the whole way through from like season three, they were like, "No, it's about the characters. Stop caring so much about this." Overarching story. It's about how these people relate to each other. Yeah, and I, I always and that was always that was their it. thing. Yeah, and then people were like, "Lost ending is bad." I'm like, "No, but it was about the friends we made along the way, guys." Yeah. And, <laughs> and I honestly am more concerned about that. I was, all, I loved the characters. They were all so, um, oh, whatever. We should do a last one. Yeah. Um, so there was a big fucking season break, and I was working in GameStop because everyone has to go to purgatory eventually, <laughs> and I did for about three years when I was sort of nineteen to twenty-one, um, and. Some motherfucker traded in his entire X-Files DVD collection. And we used to get an 80% discount on secondhand DVDs. Seriously? Oh my God. I was like, I walked out with them like that. I think it must have cost me 15 quid. I was absolutely delighted with life. And I still have those DVDs with the stickers on them from the shop. Like Mm -hmm. they were just, I just took them home. uh, And they're all these lovely sort of uh, autumnal muted colours. And I started from the beginning and I got, as everyone does with the X-Files, you kind of, you get the feeling when things are changing around season six, season seven, you're like, oh, it's time. I got the feeling that I didn't want to go any further Mm -hmm. and I stopped. Yeah. But those first three seasons are like, they're like ingrained into my head. Like I love them. I feel like I've seen them all, but I know I haven't because I had a book called the the X-Files Companion. Oh my God, is it green? Yeah, reviewed yeah, we every have that. episode. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So I read, I used to like read that over and over again, but then oh, <laughs> it wasn't actually on television that much when I was doing that. Oh. But but like, so I feel like a pretty good knowledge of those three seasons. Just. But not, I haven't actually seen most of them. It's an ambient knowledge, you know? Yeah. It's just like, I know what this is. I understand mm. this. When I get really bad um, insomnia and really bad sleep paralysis, um, Kerry always says to me, it's just like, I, you want to watch the X-Files? Mm. And that's what, calms my brain down when yeah. I when I can't sleep or when my brain is doing the paralysis thing that's one of my lovely little loopholes out is just yeah. watching an episode of the X-Files from the first three seasons mm. it's like a little uh, like a medicine or something I don't know what it is about them I don't know what it is about them that makes them more more powerful because I did again I didn't watch them when I was a child I watched them when I was 19 yeah but devoutedly mm. like really really obsessively watched them so I, I don't know. I, I must have missed the playground phenomenon, but I came to them mm. kind of later. I don't know. Did you watch the film? Uh, I went to see the film with Billy Connolly in it, the one about the snow. Okay. It's the first second film. One. Yeah, the second yeah. one. I haven't yeah. seen the first one. No, neither have I. Um, the, first, the, the second film was the first film I ever went to in the cinema by myself. Oh, really? Yeah. Started like a habit of a lifetime. Mine was Donnie Darko. Whoa, bad times. I stumbled home from that. Oh, no. I was like, shit. That I, you know, when yeah. you see a film and you're like, I'm never going to watch that again. Oh, I that watched it that a million guy. times. No, did you? Yeah, I loved it. Are you serious? Because it, it left me so Obsessed? confused. No, just confused. Because oh, okay. I'm not a great reader of films. So oh, I was like, okay. I need to understand. That's the first film like I Googled. Oh, yeah. You know, you know yeah. Donnie Darko slash oh. ending. Yeah, what? But there was what a whole, there was a whole um, Donnie Darko website where you could like find Easter eggs and it would bring you oh, into like flight yeah. reports and explain the whole film. Like an ARG. Yeah, so I game. I loved that 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 was how you figured out the film. But my friend was furious about it. He was like an expired filmmaker. He was like, everything you need to understand the film should be in the film. 
Um, and if it's not that you fail as a film, I was like, I can see uh, that, but also I like clicking him around on the website. But That's I like fun. learning. Yeah, <laughs> I like exploring. I like uh, secrets. Me and my friend Alina watched it in her living room. Uh, I remember this really, really crisply. Uh, in the dark, we watched it, and I was just really not disturbed in in that nice David Lynchy way that I like, mm. where I'm like, I'm upset, but I'm liking this. Um, I was just like absolutely fuck this and I don't know maybe I should go back and watch it again because I don't mm. know why I am at the time was like fuck this it was like a I wouldn't say it was a, a minority reaction to it it was definitely a reaction that people had mm. that nobody felt meh about Donnie Darko yeah I feel like I was just like no I'm good thank like I don't like yeah. this and I didn't and I, it might have been an, it, it wasn't an eldritch feeling because I used to watch lots of scary shit when I was mm. that age uh, and there are certain kinds of horror that I really enjoy but Johnny Darko for some reason I didn't and I don't know Jesus I really need maybe I do need to go back and watch maybe it because it actually it's I've never thought of it as horror it was always a sci-fi film to me well I read it entirely as horror yeah. film I really need to go back and watch that film again don't I feel like I might I'm going to be like on Twitter like Johnny Darko a fucking thread <laughs> like I'm I, I definitely should go back and watch it again yeah. um, and the X-Files never scared me then as a kind of a consequence because I didn't watch it in an age at which I could be scared see I prefer the, I prefer the mythology episodes when I was watching it because I'm not mad about scary stuff really so I liked the um, the thriller episodes like you know the episode with Giovanni Rubisi where he can control lightning Oh my god, that is the, the traffic sorry, lights. The Rain King, are we talking about? Or the one about the arcade, the one with Jack Black in it who electrocutes a bunch of people? There's one where he's like sitting on a roof and changing traffic lights to make the traffic crash. Is he a young guy? Yeah. Is it the one where he works in. Can you tell me what the soft opening is? I cannot. Ah, because I. That's I'm pretty sure it's him causing something, though, to happen. Oh, what one is that? That's yeah. really. That's, and it's like I rural. It. And it's the first place I ever saw Giovanni Rubisi, so he's always. I have no idea like, who that is, Anne. I'm going to have. You know yeah, what I'm like with faces? I know. You, you I don't know. know who actors are. Yeah. There's one called The Rain King, which is to do with weather and lightning, which is the nicest one. And I just opened Tumblr, uh, and I have a lovely quote <laughs> from The Rain King, which is one part of my extensive proof that Mulder and Scully love each other forever, 2018. Uh, what's his name, the actor? Giovanni Rubisi. He's so, a Scientologist. Tell me about the. Uh, oh, God, a Scientologist. Yeah. Uh, tell me about the episode. Um, basically, there's mysterious lightning accidents happening which Mulder is like ever heard of the lightning alien and such <laughs> and oh this guy so they go and it's like a rural midwestern town right and he's just this bored teenager who can control electricity things I think so, I do know who you're talking about yeah now that I, I remember watching space. that one like sitting on a bed in a hotel room in Florida I feel I feel like it's the arcade one with Jack Black in it. Jack Black could be in it as well. I feel like it's because, yeah, he works in an arcade. I, now that I'm looking at his face. Mm. So there's a kid who's in an arcade. The, the soft opening. <laughs> weird knowledge that I never will need. If it's the one I think it is, it's the soft opening where it's a kid sitting or playing a video game in an arcade and they're like, get the fuck away from the machine. And he's like, no, and they're good the fuck away from the machine. And then he lightnings him. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack Black's in that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's in a couple, actually. Mm. Uh, that's a great episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that one really sticks to me. I think because I saw Giovanni Ruisi and so much other stuff, but it was always that guy from this thing. That guy. Yeah, yeah he has sad, really sad little eyes, mm. doesn't he? Yeah. Yikes. Um, my, uh, I actually really, really like that episode um, because it's it's small. Yeah. It's a small emotional episode. And it's like... He works in a garage. He's a he's a um, he's a mechanic. Yeah, and he's trying to sleep with his boss's wife. Yes, that's it. Yeah, and the big plot of it is that he like takes her hostage. I want to say or something like that, doesn't he? Or does he kill the husband? 
or threatens him really badly. I don't think he kills anybody. No, but he does yeah. something. He like <laughs> electricity terrifies him in some capacity. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, that's a great one. I like the Rain King a lot. It's a later one. Um, and again, I was just uh, before we hit record, I was going through X Wales Tumblr, which is alive and well. <laughs> and there's a lovely Scully quote, um. Which is again part of my extreme Rolodex of why Mulder and Scully are meant to be together, and you can you see it in the script that it's written there, but you just don't necessarily like see it. Um, and the Rain King is about a woman whose emotions control the weather. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's just been raining in this town for a really long time, and it's because uh, she's in love with someone uh, who she hasn't told, and it's really beautiful. Like mm. these are all like hicks or whatever and that's yeah. kind of the joke is that they're all just simple american people mm. but um it's really really beautiful and it is season six so it's later on in the game okay. but it's one of my favorites uh massively so much of that those standalone episodes that are to do with more elemental forces than spooky aliens are lovely as well mm. like were there any episodes that scared you properly like we're all, we, no one wants Eugene Toomes crawling under their door. No, definitely. Like yeah. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, like when his fingers stretch down the chimney and oh, stuff. Oh Jesus Christ! No. Newspaper bed, gross. Yeah. Oh, wet newspaper. Actually, that probably did kind of make me feel a bit sick, and I yeah. do whenever I see wet newspaper or like even in the street, I'm like, oh Eugene Toomes. Yeah. Like, or the the fluke monster was disgusting. Yeah, he's pretty fucking yeah. gross. Oh, there's a cockroach one that's really bad as well. Oh yeah. Uh, it's sort of a Kafka one, I want to say. Mm. And there's one where a guy hides in the like he he like hides or the monster hides in shadow it hides in plain sight in like it it doesn't hide in the shadow it shadows it hides in the light it's okay. an office it's about an office building yeah it's like an office familiar. drama yeah, yeah um it's fucking horrible i gotta watch rewatch the x-files oh you do you gotta yeah. go back in when was the last time you watched it literally when it was on mm. i remember seeing like a season eight episode when i was in college oh late one night God. and i was like i didn't realize the show was still on and who are all these people? Where's Mulder? <laughs> Where's you know? Mulder? That that's it. Yeah. No, like when you? they need two characters to replace you, you know it's not really working. No. Because they need like Scotty and two guys. Why did they get rid of maybe it was just plot they just plotted him out, right? He wanted to leave. Oh. Yeah. And Jane Anderson probably should have yeah. done it as well. Do you know she was twenty three when she took on the role of Scully? Yeah. Can you fucking believe that? <laughs> so self assured, like I know. And then she, she was a like, punk like Punk's Three book. years before that, yeah, yeah, like and a theater actress. You know, mm. maybe that's why why she's so good is because she's just, yeah, trained out the eyeballs. Mm. You know, and uh, oh, she was she had such amazing breath. Like they took her, they took her so far. Like Mulder generally was just mourning his sister throughout in, in terms of his mm. wider narrative arc. But like Scully, like had cancer and a baby. Like Scully got a lot of things mm-hmm. to deal with throughout the X. She also kind of, and I'm gonna s- step very carefully here. Reimagined what like television beauty is. Oh, I feel yeah. like yeah, there weren't women that really looked like her on television before that, and then suddenly she was like being voted world sexiest woman and stuff. So I was thinking about this in the way down here, like yeah. why do I like Gillian Anderson so much? And I think it's because she looks like a normal person. She looks like a real person, and like I do not look like Gillian Anderson, but I feel like I could look like Gillian Anderson. Do you know mm. what I mean? There's like an attainableness about her beauty that yeah. is not a put down. Like that is like she is seriously one of the sexiest women in the world. She's so beautiful, but she's not beautiful in a way that's infantilizing. She's not beautiful in a way that is um, produced. She just looks like a really beautiful human. Yeah, there's nothing male gazy. Very little male gazy about her. Yeah, Yeah, and her outfits as well. Like she is wearing her costuming is something I'm obsessed with by and large because she is a 
she's always in movement. So her even her, her suits because it's the nineties don't fit her. One, yeah. right? Realistically, they don't. And then her outdoorsy outfits are the worst. And uh, as a result, I want all of them. There's a windbreaker <laughs> that she wears that's sort of um, turquoise and pink, and it is fucking gross. And I need it. Yeah. Because she wore it during some of the best. The I love the outdoorsy episodes most. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quagmire is my favorite episode, which I just looked up. It's season three, episode 22. And it's the one I, it does have a swamp monster in it. Okay. And it's the one where we very heavily experience the last days of Scully's dog, Queequeg. Oh. He was Pomeranian. Matches oh. her hair. Yeah. Called okay. Queequeg because her dad um, used to read Moby Dick to her and he, she used to call him Ahab and he used to call her Starbuck and then the dog was Queequeg, which I think is extremely deep, an extremely deep cut, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, yeah, they take the dog with them and the dog doesn't last very long, unfortunately. Oh. Uh, yep. Uh, so the X-Files has to at some point kill a dog and they kill Scully's dog. Yeah. Uh, but they're Scully. looking for, I know, we're Scully. Yeah. Um, but they're looking for a swamp monster and she, her and Mulder stay up all night sitting on an island in the swamp um, and Scully is like, they're both like wet and mm-hmm. cold and they're trying to keep each other awake and at one point she sings to him and it is one of the most tender moments in television because it's two obviously incredibly tired people mm-hmm. in a seemingly pointless situation it's very human sometimes mm. in the way that it explores their relationship and that's just one of my favorite things i've ever seen on screen ever and she is incredibly beautiful but she's not being constructed for you as beautiful yeah. she's not being delivered to you as a beautiful woman mm-hmm. She is very busy, very <laughs> cynical, and just happens to be incredibly beautiful as well. Yeah, she's not gazy. That's really interesting. Mm. I don't know. And Mulder is fully female gaze all day, every day. Mulder's <laughs> yeah. stupid looking. Like, there's an episode in season two where he's unnecessarily swimming. Do you know this episode? No, I don't think so. There's Tell a whole me. Red yeah. Speedos situation that happens. And, like, yike, that was completely unnecessary. Like that was entirely for the benefit yeah. of the audience, um, and uh, facially they're both really different actors as well because Mulder's whole thing is that he doesn't make faces, mm. like he's got a really stoic, motionless face, and Scully makes amazing faces. She's always rolling her eyes and always yeah. like, "What the fuck ever." That's um, probably so many gifts of her, and not so many of Mulder. Yeah, because she's always making amazing reaction faces yeah. because she's always like she's such a tremendous actress like that. Her face does so much work. And uh, there's even I think there's an episode where she knows that a uh, there's a body swap episode later on in it. Uh, what episode is that? Is Ar- uh, it's not Arcadia. Arcadia is another one I really like as well. Um, there's a body swap episode where somebody Mulder swaps bodies with this kind of dumpy, ordinary, bald business guy. And this guy wakes up in Mulder's body, right? And he has a fucking heart attack. And the first thing he does when he looks in the mirror is he smiles. And it's really strange looking because mm. it's like, oh my God, Mulder doesn't smile yeah. ever. And I think that's how Scully, like Scully reacts differently. Like he tries to seduce Scully at some mm-hmm. point. I think it nearly, I think it's one of their nearly moments. Yeah. Uh, but she's a little bit suspicious because he's he's expressive in his face. Mm. Like that's the tell is that he's moving his face. Yeah. And it's not that David Duchovny's a poor actor. Um, it's that, Mulder just doesn't move his face mm. ever, which is an interesting characterization. Yeah. The X is also one of the first shows to have a huge online fan base. Oh yeah. Like I remember reading there was like a magazine I bought because it has the X Files on it, like in nineteen ninety four, nineteen ninety five. Oh. 
and it was about their online fans. And it also mentioned that, that I think that's where the term shipping comes from. It is. It's from yes, the X Files. It is. It is. Which it's, is an amazing. It's it's so weird to basically trace back the a origin word of a term. Yeah. That, like that and Stan. Well, it's Star Trek and uh, Stan is a weird one, right? Yeah. Do you know, I I think I have the wrong idea of this. Okay. Because I feel like I thought that people say that I will stand for something the way people say I won't stand for that. Okay. Well, so what I thought it was, was Tumblr thinking that they were saying I will stand for that, mm. but dropping the D because sometimes Americans... Don't understand like how I could care less. Yeah, you know, you're, yeah. you know, Americans say things wrong occasionally or yeah. their English is just not the same as ours because mm. America. So I thought that they were just saying, I won't stand for this. In I, I thought they would say, I will stand for that, mm. but dropping the D. But apparently it's an Eminem thing. Yeah, because the first time I saw it, I was like, <laughs> it, is that like the Eminem song? Is that what they mean? Like Whoa, an obsessive no, the, fan? Kerry had to explain and that to me. And then I assumed not because how would, I didn't understand why that would make its way into those communities yeah like fandom communities and then back out and Eminem play, is such a weird place for us to come from but then it was like oh I was right that's so How, I don't know I'm, I not, think I'm not supposed to be right about slang no, I'm a dude. white guy in Waterford <laughs> I shouldn't I'm old you need better slang if I can intuit what it means first time yeah kids <laughs> be less user friendly like I had to google bay oh, back wow. in the day I, mm, bay is a beautiful word even written down it's a mm. lovely that A-E is so nice looking um, no I thought it was I feel like it might have been a misunderstanding initially with the stand for thing I think that's actually where it came from. Okay. And people are trying to cover their tracks by saying it's an Eminem Like thing. in a reverse etymology. I yeah. think they're like, no, we totally knew what we were saying the whole time. Ooh. Like, I definitely think there's some track covering So here. it was like a Dead Poets Society thing. Like, I will stand on a desk for yeah. Lady Gaga. I fucking totally thought that it yeah. was that. Uh, so forgive me if I'm wrong or 300 years old and, you know, out of touch. But I feel like someone's lying to us about the Eminem thing. <laughs> I fucking, I see, I'm, I... I'm a girl of the internet. I I spend a lot of time on Tumblr. Yeah, you know, I'm not that. Not that's anything to be proud of. Like, but I do. <laughs> it's a very calming landscape. There's a lot of nice pictures there. Um, but yeah, shipping did. I think came from Mulder and Scully, or uh, or it's a Star Trek thing. I feel like it's both. But it definitely gained really intense popularity around Mulder and Scully because women will write into existence the things that we don't see on screen. Yeah, like the first slash fiction was Star Trek slash fiction, I think, yeah, as well, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I feel Kirk, like. Kirk Spock was Aww. the original. Aww. Yeah. That's nice. Mm. Uh, but Mulder and Scully, yeah, there wasn't enough of their relationship on screen. Like, there's a, there's a if any of our listeners are going to watch The X-Files for the first time, there's a viewing, like a, a lens that you can watch The X-Files through, which is just, if you're sitting down to watch it from episode one for the first time, just assume that they're doing it the whole time, that they've been doing it since day one. Just assume that like the second we don't see them, go to the bar, have a few drinks, doing it. Like the whole time, there is, uh, raise the tension, mm -hmm. just assume that they are together behind the scenes. Community is, did it, so there is. Yeah, there is so a way to view it. do it, yeah. Hannibal is another one that you can watch uh, and just assume that instead of having um, meningitis, Will Graham has uh, is a really bad hangover throughout. Cause mm -hmm. So much of it is shot through that lovely uh, Brian, uh, what's his name? Brian Fuller. Brian Fuller, yeah. yeah, that sort of sickening, like heavy, nauseous cinematography. Yeah. So and and Will uh, Hugh Dancy, who plays Will Graham, um, in in the Hannibal Lecter TV show, does a lot of just holding his head and moaning softly to himself mm. because he's not well. So and very stressed. So if you just assume that he has a horrific, horrific hangover, yeah. You, it completely changes the tone. If mm -hmm. you just read him as a drunk, it's a different show. So if you if you read Mulder and Scully as just together, it's a different show as well. Are you ever so hung hungover that you like hear a noise and you're like, 
I really hope like someone hasn't died because <sighs> yeah, I just I can't. <laughs> Everybody needs to stay alive today. <laughs> Please, nothing bad today. Just what was it? Thursday. Leave me half this day to myself. Yeah, Thursday, that was me. I was. I, yeah. I finished a big project on Wednesday and I drank a bottle of Prosecco at my kitchen table with a straw. <laughs> <laughs> on an empty stomach. Hey. I just came in. Carrie was already Skyping our, our Dungeons and Dragons party and just <laughs> opened a bottle of Prosecco, drank it with a straw, woke up the next day and just read a load of climate change reports. So, uh, yeah. When I'm hungover, I don't need any noises or news. I just mm-hmm. need to let the poison run its course through my body and feel sorry for myself. Yeah. Uh, and it feels I feels like the entire world is shot by Brian Fuller at that point. It's yeah. everything is just sad <laughs> <laughs> and a bit sickening. Um and that is where I that those times are when I sit down to watch the X Files because it is healing. And I don't know why. I still can't put my finger on it what it is about this that I love so much. It's quite a muted show in terms of like palette and stuff. Oh yeah. It's um, all like um, petrol blues and greys. Yeah, it's kind of post Twin Peaks. It's cold. Yeah. It hasn't got that burnt rustic Twin Peaks thing. It's cold, hmm. you know. That was one thing that struck me about the new episodes that they looked quite vibrant. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's not X-Files really. <laughs> X-Files is like Even torches and trench coats. And no mobile phones. Yeah. And no internet. Mm-hmm. Again, you nailed it earlier on. Dreamers like Mulder can't exist with the internet. Mm. With the internet, they're zealots or they're radicalized or they're dangerous. Yeah. Fortan is full of Mulders. <laughs> and that is not, that's not the fantasy that I grew up on. Mm. And all the rest of us are just scully. And they had a lovely relationship, certainly. But the negative parts of their relationship was that she was obsessed with seeing him fail. Like she mm. just wanted to contradict him. Yeah. She's religious as well. Is the other thing about oh, her. Yeah. yeah, do you know this? This is a whole I, Scully backstory. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Scully is like Catholic. Mm. And she's a little tiny crucifix that she wears on her neck. And that's some of her conflict and some of her refusal to buy into like the aliens thing is yeah. from faith. Mm. There's definitely a chat she has with the priest in it at some point. I don't know what episode that is, but there's definitely like a God moment. Mm. And her dad dies during it as well. Like yeah. her, her dad passed away and there's lots of mourning and grief. Like she has the unfortunate role of being a cynic and therefore kind of having to, not really getting the luxury of being a dreamer. She doesn't get to have an awful lot of fun. Mm. Um, and when she does, she's almost immediately pulled back from it by Mulder. Like what episode is it with them? Um, it's sort of the dual perspective. It's Clyde Brookman's final repose. Is that the is that the one? That's the name of an episode. Yeah. Is it the one where they are talking to a famous science fiction writer about something? It's like that a NASA thing, is it? Yeah, they're yeah. talking to him about something that happened, and they're both telling their sides of the story. Yes, it is. Yeah. And Luke Wilson, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. And it plays a janitor? No, no. plays a sheriff. Okay. And yeah, sorry. Uh, sorry, why do I know this? <laughs> this is where all this is why I can't learn new song lyrics and don't know who any actors are in the world. When my memory, all of the the files in my memory are filled up with really useless X Files knowledge. I find I get a lot of Stephen King stuff and X Files oh, stuff all Mixed jumbled up because I read it all at the same time. Oh, because I read X Files mostly instead of watching it, so it's all okay. Details. Have, we have to talk about that once I've told you the sad Scully fact. Yes. Because I was recently given an X-Files novelization. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So the end of the story about me thinking that Scully just has just a joyless existence mm. is that the sheriff is uh, Luke Wilson. And in Scully's version of the story where she encounters the sheriff when she's investigating this fucking alien situation, he's really handsome and he really likes her a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> and in, in Mulder's version, he has really bad teeth and is an idiot. <laughs> 
and they put fake teeth in Luke Wilson for yeah. his version of the story mm-hmm. and she just he, he just is awful to her the second that she is having a nice time mm-hmm. whereas Mulder effectively like shags his way around the show and Scully is kind of like reined in or something people yeah. are kind of hard on her well she's hard on herself but she does have a comparatively less fun time she also has to her character has to get constantly reset which yes. is something we've talked about with uh, we won't mention other specific shows but shows that have those kind of mythologies mm. it was like an Eddie Izzard bit from around that time where it was like X-Files is like a show about pointy elbowed aliens and every episode Scotty's like I don't believe it I don't believe it I don't believe it and then at the end of the episode she's surrounded by pointy elbowed aliens she's like I believe you Mulder and then the next episode she's back again to not believing yeah, and she has to keep resetting and they have to keep on undoing everything she sees and explaining away stuff instead of letting the story go they need to keep on finding ways to undo it to sustain it over nine seasons instead of having like a fixed we're going to do three seasons and you're going to know everything by the end of it yeah they can't because they want to keep going for as long as possible so you have to keep on walking back discoveries yeah they can never just settle with a piece of information there always has to be another little twist on it and it's kind of the curse it was the curse of Lost as well which I lost insisted on an ending right um, because we're like, we're, we keep on adding in stuff and we can't start tying it together until we know that we will be ending it Mm. so then they got the ending that's why they put the characters in cages at the start of season 3 <laughs> that was like they literally said we're in a cage with this until you give us an ending so oh, we're going to put wow. the characters in cages we're basically, they basically held the three main characters hostage, hostage. until the network gave them an ending <laughs> which is brilliant and also explained the polar bears which is the one oh, thing everybody bears. says about Lost and the smoke monster yeah it's like relax it's not about the smoke monster it's about <laughs> the friends we made along the way yeah <laughs> god damn it yeah um but That's oh, the wild. Tell me about the novelization. So Dave yeah. Rudden brought me, uh, author Dave Rudden um, bought me in Nashville, Tennessee, mm-hmm. a pair of white cowboy boots and a fucking X-Files novelization. Because the project I'm not working on right now, I have, I have two plates, two heavy plates and one in each hand. And when I have taken these heavy plates from my hands and put them where they meant to go, they meant to go, they are meant to go, I will be working on something that is a really nice way to catharsize my intense obsessive love of the X-Files. Mm-hmm. So I was talking to him about this and he retrieved me a copy of Fight the Future, the novelization. Oh, nice. Oh my God. It is so fun. It's so fun. Like it's dinky. It's like a little tiny pulpy paperback mm-hmm. and it's got um, photos uh, and it is bad. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's exactly as bad as I needed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's perfect. We should like do a mini series about novelizations you know we really should yeah because there's such a weird like I've um for our live shows as you may know we give away prizes mm. and for our last one a prize I bought but didn't give away because my wife wanted to keep it was the novelization of Wally, which is a mostly oh silent God. film set in a post-apocalyptic wasteland so if you read this as a novel it's basically the road Whoa. with a robot it's the bleakest thing to give to a child. Oh my God, I need to see this. It's so weird. I would read that. I, I would. Know. If you described that, to, if you described Wally to me as a novel, I would fucking read that. <laughs> I'd read the shit out of that. That's amazing. Yeah. I have the novelization of The Fifth Element. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, it's super weird. Uh, that's the only one I have, I think, though. I used to have, I had Jurassic Park the novel and Jurassic Park the novelization. I used to read Whoa. both of them back and forth. Those are two extraordinarily very different, different versions very, of the same different. story. And one's like, 400 pages the other one's like 120 pages plus photos well yeah and fair. different people die in both and it's just how it's does, a trip how does this line up yeah. how many of the X-Files novelizations do you have uh, I've no X-Files ones did you say you, you did you say you read you read didn't you say earlier? no the compendium 
Oh, the companion. Yeah. yeah. Which again, it's like more of an overarching X Files universe. Thing. Yeah. So you get the plot summaries of everything. Did you get the mag- so you got a magazine that had the X Files in it? Because I know there was an X Files magazine that was sort of a like I didn't have it because I was very t- I my magazine I got one magazine a month right and mm. it was my I still have all of them and I want to start like an Instagram with them because they're fucking deadly. I used to get Nintendo Visual magazine every month from when I was six until when I moved out of home when I was twenty. Yeah. Like. I was committed. I have these in crates in my gaff. Mm. Like we're talking from the Super Nintendo system all the way up through time. Yeah. Like a full historical catalogue of this mad magazine. But that was the only one I ever got really. Yeah. And there was an X-Files magazine. There was. There was a lot of like TV show magazines then because I'll I'll actually tell you my my full magazine history. I started with um, Sega Pro. Uh Uh-huh. Then Games Master. Oh, yeah. Then I moved to Star Trek magazine. So I used to get Star Trek magazine every every month. Oh, do you still have all of them? No, we moved house and I got rid of all of them. And then I moved yeah. to Select magazine, which is like my juvenile topic. Oh, really? Because it's such a huge like it's what is the it? hu- it's it was a music magazine, music and oh. culture, but it was a British one, and it had a very specific sense of humor. Oh, there was an editorial voice. Yeah, yeah, and it was not a cynical, but slightly, j- slightly jaded, like just just oh. jaded enough. Really. So it made me be very self aware about what I was into huh. and it kind of made me ironic like just slightly too early oh dear you know? early irony poisoning Ooh. yeah but it, like it was, so it was like it was like me and my friend Jeff were the two people who were into the 80s in like 1999 and it was oh because God. of Select Magazine weird you know it was kind of like one magazine just poisons you yeah but it, then it also like gave me like Cigarettes and Badly Drawn Boy and Cigarettes all... were out back then yeah oh my it was God. like they were like in the new band section it was like a a page with them in a sauna like here's this Icelandic band that are really weird I feel like I only started hearing about them but too I d- yeah. I don't listen to music there you go their so second I album was 99 whoa so yeah god I really don't listen to music so I ended up music. like buying that on a choir trip to Dublin and then bringing it home listening to it not understanding it at all because it was like super abstract compared to the stuff we know now I couldn't even tell you the name or hum a single cigarette <laughs> song to you I yeah. I do not I do not compute. But it's amazing that music magazines held such power. You know, that we definitely have to do that. Yeah. Or get, get a music, like, there, there has to be an episode where you talk about that. Because mm. uh, the power the magazines had when you're that age, like, they're the only input that you have outside of your family. Yeah. Like, they matter. And they're, they're a direct route to culture because they come out every month. Mm-hmm. You know? It's not just like reading a book and that being your direct route to culture or a TV show. Yeah. Like, even magazine shows like Buzzcocks or whatever. Oh, you yeah. Know? Like they would have been a big input thing. Mm. But uh, and musicians didn't have Twitter accounts then as well. So there was like, oh, you this, don't know what they're up to. Yeah. Mythologizing of everybody as well. Oh, yeah. Like Karis Matthews was really important to me because she was on the front of Slack magazine. And the article about her made her sound like the coolest person in the world. Oh, like, oh yeah. Karis Matthews. Great. Or like, they actually, they're very good about like having women on the cover, which. That's because women. <laughs> like there's like Shirley Manson and Courtney Love. No, but like not in a. In they a gazy way, sexualized. yeah, yeah. Ah, no, maybe, well, well, maybe they weren't. Well, they're kind yeah. of alt. Th- th- those alt girls of the nineties were sexy in a different way. I think yeah. you know, it wasn't like this polished pop star thing. It mm. was slightly more undone. But uh, yeah, Jesus and uh, Shirley Manson. Holy shit! I'm never... Was she in Ireland recently? I feel like she was. Yeah, they played Electric Picnic, but Jeepers. Garbage was the second concert I ever went to. No way. In the point, which was the last time they played Ireland before now. Can I ask a stupid person who doesn't know any names of bands? Question. Yes. Was it? It wasn't garbage, was it? Who did the Mulder and Scully the song? No, that was Catatonia. That was Chris Matthews. Ca- that was Chris Matthews. Okay, because yeah, yeah. that's a fucking banger. Yes, and I love that song. There was actually a select magazine article about superfans. 
Okay. And they had an X-Files superfan, which is, I'm just remembering, I know actually this is where a lot of my information is coming from, is this one article. And they had someone who like had bought every single thing of X-Files stuff. Whoa. And they were like, even that single, even though I hate it, because it has Mulder and Scully in it. Uh. But they also had someone who'd, um, they'd gone up to a mountain to recreate the scene where Scully gets kidnapped. Oh God. And they'd like, she climbed into her boot and played in a cave and filmed herself in a boot of a car in the same spot where Scully was kidnapped. That is wild. And they're like, this is weird. Now that's standard YouTuber behaviour. Oh but yeah. Like, <laughs> but like but in 1997. That's like, elaborate in yeah. 1997. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Huh. Do you, so so are your select magazines gone? I have two still. Holy shit, only two. Yeah, one with Alanis Morissette and one with Blur on the cover. That's really good keeps. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. And the, like, the, the album reviews, like, see what, if how right they were and how wrong they were. It's weird. Yeah, critics had a lot more power, man. Yeah. Now, now everybody's a critic, but now we all have opinions loudly mm. online all day. But back then it was really a really different position, wasn't it? I'd be real yeah. curious to see those magazines. It's now. weird because like, it was the first place I read about DVDs. It was like, there's a thing called DVDs. <laughs> Strange. Like a picture, like Mars Attacks was like one of the first DVDs. So it was all like, hey, look, you can get Mars Attacks on this it's new kind thing. Of appropriate, isn't it? That yeah. it was Mars Attacks of all things. That's bananas. Yeah, it's I got to go back and look at all my old Nintendo ones. I don't have any music magazines, but I have, um, I did have one copy of Pitchfork that I think it was Pitchfork that had um, Jane's Addiction on the cover. Mm. That was the only time that I ever saw a band that I liked on a magazine. Yeah. I wasn't into, like, again, just wasn't a music kid. Was Nintendo Power funny? Uh, no, it was corporate. It was probably Yeah, because Games Master was so funny. Yeah, I think I wasn't yeah. allowed to have Games Master because... So if you're in a magazine shop, you can see even early graphic design or early magazine composition, you can see which ones look kind of sharper and higher quality, mm-hmm. inverted commas, or more like editorial. Yeah. I think, you know, I would have been a child, so I didn't know. And obviously this was chosen for me. Yeah. And I had only a Nintendo console. So... For whatever reason, if, if it was chosen for me, um, it was because I only had Nintendo consoles. Yeah. And presumably Games Master looked a bit kind of more alt. It had a darker cover, didn't it? Looked it looked kind of goth. It looked yeah. kind of goth. Yeah. And I didn't have all of the games. I only had Nintendo games. Mm. So logically for like a six-year-old, yeah. like get her the one that, you know, uh, of the things that she knows. Um, but no, no editorial voice, full propaganda. Yeah. Absolutely, like, uh, but I really, God, if any listeners have um, those X-Files magazines, drop me a line, mm. send me them, I'll, I'll send you something back. I would love to get into those magazines to see what's in them. Again, because it's all going to be propaganda, it's all just going to be, like... Yeah, because quite a, a small cast, so in terms of, like, interviews, oh yeah, it's pretty limited pool. Like, the Star Trek magazine, at least, they had, like, four series of people to interview, and producers and writers and... What would even have been in it? Like, yeah. But presumably, conspiracy theories. Back when <laughs> yeah. conspiracy theories were slightly more benign. Mm-hmm. You know? And like, Jesus, the lone gunman. We haven't even touched on the lone gunman. Oh, yeah. Fucking hell. Like, spin-off, they're like. beautiful little spin-off. Mm. Nowadays, the lone gunman would be terrifying. Even the name is terrifying. Yep. Like, everything about the, the romance of being a conspiracy theory, theory nerd has been completely usurped by the internet. We can't live in that golden age anymore. Mm. Jesus, the lone gunman. They were, they, they were like such benign, awful little nerds. And now they, they literally couldn't speak in front of Scully. And now they, they could, they, those stories can't exist anymore. No, because they'd have anonymous Twitter accounts to abuse Scully with. Yeah, and, or and a YouTube channel. Yeah. Where they, like, there's so much toxicity that's been developed into characters like that, which kind of breaks your fucking heart a little bit, doesn't it? It's kind of mm. sad. Um. Because there was something gorgeous about it. Again, it was like, oh man, I hate you. Like, it was simpler times. But it kind of was. The internet kind of wrecked it. 
you know? Yeah, it really did. Because there was still mystery in the world. Now we can we can deep dive we can find we can find answers. I say this I feel like I say this every second episode that we have a fucking <laughs> box of answers on the table. But there weren't any answers from Mother and Scully. Mm. That's the thing. Like there really weren't. And that's why it was so good. And it's from that time, that time of just having magazines mm. and this analogue world that we lived in. Um which is, I guess, really, it's really easy to fetishize it and talk about it like it was perfect when in many ways it really wasn't. No, we were kids, so we didn't. We were know. children. Yeah. But yeah, like I wouldn't have any idea what the fuck was going on politically like, you mm. know what I mean? I don't want to live in Ireland in the 90s. Things are still bad, you know, yeah. like there is a lot of bad shit happening. But in terms of how we interact with culture and how we interact with art and television, like it just feels like an age is over and a new age. We're in a new age, which is fine. Mm. But it was a different time for telling mystery stories. And for developing conspiracy theories and our imaginations, I guess. A lot more is left to us. Does mm. that make sense? I don't know. Yeah, I mean you don't have the instant you don't have the instant reaction to every episode online thing <sighs> and like all the recaps and like um, you know, here's every episode the X Files ranked. And here's exactly why it's all wrong. Here's eight things you missed and here's why we stand such and such and <sighs> I see you. I know what this is. But like, you're, yeah, you're dead right. And I feel like, I wish, for example, that something like Stranger Things had um, had come out when I was a kid, mm. you know, or I had gotten to just experience Stranger Things as Stranger Things. Yeah. Without Stranger Things plus culture. Or even the new season of Twin Peaks, I'd have done my best to not read anything about the new Twin Peaks. Just being like, I watched it. I loved it. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And I feel like we could all kind of do well to be allowed to enjoy the things that we enjoy mm. you know take take back some quiet space to actually be impacted and internalize uh work films and tv shows and like instead of all of us assuming the immediate role of the critic like there has to be some pleasure left and the x-files definitely brings me back to a time where I was 19 odd absolutely head over heels with it and not without critical knowledge or like, mm. not without like cop on, smart, still smart viewer, but also not having to share it with anybody. It felt like it just belonged to me. Yeah. And I feel a bit like that with Twin Peaks still, that I don't really talk about it a whole bunch and it, it still belongs to me. Yeah. Like this is the longest I've talked about the X-Files mm. in a long time because it's still mine. I mean, I'll still make good tweets about it because, man, that tum- Tumblr is so good for X-Files stuff, like weird script excerpts and really good behind the scenes pictures. But like uh, part of being in a community is is a collective experience. And Netflix, obviously, like us all watching the same shit together at the same time mm-hmm. is, is very much a collective consciousness. But I think there's something lost in that. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Mm, I maybe. probably am. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Am. Maybe not. We should probably wrap it up now. We should wrap it up. We? Let's do our thank yous now, I guess, instead yeah. of pretending to go away and do like an encore of an outro. Yeah. Like um, stop the recorder. Start <laughs> the recorder. Yeah. So thank you to Dee McDonald for our artwork. Always beautiful. I really want to jump pretty. Thank <laughs> you to Brian for producing the episode. Thanks, Brian. Making it sound nice. Uh, thank you to Headstop Podcast Network for having us, housing us. All these years. Updating the studio all the time. It's oh very nice. Every time I come in, it's just like stepping into a new, it's, it's like 10 years have passed in this room. It's so beautiful. Yeah. 
Uh, you should listen to some other podcasts on the network, like a Tara Friends podcast, Taranoia. I really, I'm loving it. It's like, great. It's so lovely. It's I mean, just like having a cup of tea with Tara. Exactly. And who wouldn't want that? I know. Realistically, you require it in your life. Listen to Taranoia. Yeah. And also... What else have we got? Let's we're, see. we're always looking up at the wall. Yeah, the to wall make sure we cover everybody at least once. Oh, the sus. The sus is great. What's um, this about? The sus is a politics podcast with Glenn Fitzpatrick and Steph Costello. And it's a lefty politics podcast because you don't get those nor tea. That's that is fair. You so, absolutely don't. Listen to the sus for the real news. <laughs> um so everything, Sarah, you got some things to plug. Oh my God. I don't know when this episode is coming out. Um, um, is it 2019? It'll be out in January. It's 2019. Whoa, it's 2019. We made it. Um, yikes. I'm like, another birthday. I'm getting old. Um, my next novel is out in April. It's called Other Words for Smoke. Um, it wouldn't exist if I hadn't watched The X-Files my whole life. Uh, and my first novel is called um, Spare and Fen Parts and it's a retelling of Frankenstein. Also, you'll probably enjoy it if you've ever enjoyed The X-Files. Um, you should follow me on Twitter at Grifsky, um, where you could probably find it a little bit more. And I bet you, Al. Um, I have nothing that I know of. So you follow, follow on me Twitter. on Twitter at Alan underscore McGuire and follow Juvenalia at Juvenalia underscore pod. On Instagram, Juvenalia pod, I think. Yeah. And on Facebook, Juvenalia podcast. And, you know, like and subscribe and oh tell your God, friends. Please tell your friends. Because <laughs> we're enjoying doing this, but... We can always have more people listening to us. Yeah, That's we're good. growing. We have a f- we have so my my favorite lesson in Tumblr terminology has been the difference between a fandom and a fan dot. What's Ro- that? A fan dot, like a little fandom, like a little robust <laughs> gathering of people who come back to listen to us every few weeks. So thank you to our regular listeners. Yeah, tell somebody that you like that they should listen to this show as well because uh, they should. Yeah, happy 2019, everybody. Oh my God, happy New Year! Bye. <laughs> Oh,